God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So we have a lot of uh, various clips to go through and audio clips to to go through and some things we want to, some points we want to make and things people we want to listen to. Um, And we're going to be talking about a broad swath of topics President Trump had a uh, rally out in Arizona uh, this past weekend. Once again, rock star. Uh, T- Turning Point had an event over the weekend, and Trump won the straw poll hands down. And uh, I thought that was great. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about a Trump DeSantis ticket. Wouldn't that be great? I don't see how you lose. And uh, and then the the liberals were out there making nonsense about everything. Janet Yellen is basically trying to redefine the uh, what it is to be in a recession. Uh, historically, two GDPs, two two quarterly GDP downward trends. Uh, so a lower GDP for the first quarter, a lower GDP for the second quarter. Voila. That has always been traditionally the way you calculate a recession, but not anymore. No, they want to change the definition and say, well, it's jobs. You know, if you're creating a lot of jobs, like if you're creating 400,000 jobs, um, you can't be in a recession despite all that. Um, This is going to be a big week for big announcements. Consumer price index comes out tomorrow. Uh, The, um, the uh, GDP report comes out tomorrow uh, or, or, or this week. And so there's going to be a lot of numbers that indicate inflation, um, job job numbers, and things like that. What they're not calculating when they talk about that 400,000. And Janet Yellen is <clears throat> very slick and very savvy when it comes to this. But 
Um, she's basically saying about the jobs, but the jobs are, if you look at the labor participation rate before COVID and after COVID, all that's happening is people are no longer getting the the juice, the funding. And we're going to listen to Maria Bartiroma today as well. She had a really good interview with Co, uh, Ro Khanna. It was a debate because he's a Democrat from California. And so it was kind of interesting. I, I really enjoyed seeing both sides of the argument. But Ro Khanna, the way he's spinning things, is kind of interesting. And... Um, and that and and they're spinning it, but they're they're discounting a couple of things that most people don't know. They don't know what the exact labor participation rate is today as it was pre COVID. All that's happening right now with the job creation is that people are getting back to work because the stimulus checks that were being sent out by the government, the the big spending bills that are putting people to work artificially through the government were stimulating the economy. But in a very artificial way that devaluates, uh, devalues the, do- the dollar because of the influx of cash that's just been created out of thin air by printing it. The money's not, where is the money coming from? It comes from a printing press, ultimately. And the more money that's circulating to try to boost up and prop up, you know, is 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 what's devaluing the dollar. So Maria Bartiroma makes this claim and basically the left is trying to suggest that the economy is so hot that it needs to cool down. It was like a uh, you know, a drought where people were collecting a lot of cash in their pockets and then all of a sudden it's sort of like a sailor who gets off of a six-month six tour comes into town with six months worth of paychecks and now he has the ability to spend it. And that's where the whole drunk like a uh, uh, drunken sailor came from. They'd come into town and they would uh, just live it up with all this extra cash that they had. That was kind of where that came from. And COVID, similar. You're on some sort of a, a leave and you come back and you explode in the economy. Well, number one, Nobody on the right was recommending a lockdown. The lockdown was something concocted by Deborah Burks, if you recall, because we just learned that too, right? That Deborah Burks was the one who made up out of whole cloth 15 days to flatten the curve or, or 30 days and, and then social distancing. Well, let's just call it six feet because 10 feet's almost impossible. So it was all these different things they were just made up. And now what we are faced with as a society is we no longer trust our doctor because we know that there are several doctors that wouldn't even treat you if you didn't get the vaccine that we now know doesn't work. And that's a sad bit of news, right? The, the, the vaccine didn't work. And we, we know now that they were lying and hiding numbers related to enlarged hearts and myocarditis with younger people they hide they hid that data i think that they were exaggerating the deaths to increase fear just like right now there i think there's i believe the another big story that's going on today 
is I believe that they are starting fires. I It's my gut feeling. I don't have any real proof. But I've watched a lot of this news, and I've seen a lot of trends, and I looked at the history books, and I looked at stats, and I looked at data, and it doesn't make any sense what's happening in, say, the United Kingdom. With all those fires starting, it's 100 degrees. So what? Forests don't start on fire by themselves at 100 degrees. And I've seen other video that indicates that they were flying over top of some of these forests, throwing out fire flares. I don't know what the end game there is. I do know this. I said this last week. They will go as far as to kill you to do do policy. I don't think it's a misnomer to say that I don't think it's a falsehood to say that that there have been shootings and false flag attempts attacks to to influence policy. I think that that happened in Syria, where Lindsey Graham was behind the uh, when when Trump wanted to pull out of Syria. Next thing you know, a chemical weapon weapons attack. They blamed it on Russia. Remember, and then you're like. Why would Putin, if Putin wants us gone out of Syria, he doesn't want to invest money in that conflict, you know, because he's the grand poobah of Syria. So why in the world would they do it right then? When Trump is talking about pulling out of Syria, why, why in the world would they do a, an attack like that, which kept us there longer than we wanted to be? And it was Lindsey Graham that was really behind wanting to be there because I think that there was a lot of laundering, a lot of black market deals in place, a lot of a lot of distribution and a lot of manufacturing of weapons on the black market, maybe going through Ukraine, laundering that, just like what happened with the European Union, $500 million worth of European uh, euro, euro money, which is even more than a dollar. And that was going to Ukraine. Ukraine then has to make the weapons. So they make the weapons. And next thing you know, they take those weapons and they sent, they sell them off in the Middle East for oil cash, black, black gold, right? Boom, comes back into their pockets and they pay off the oligarchs. And they help, they're the ones that buy all those big boats that we see. And then the question was, why don't we just seize all their boats? Putin has three of them. Why don't I just go after all their private yachts that are $100 million apiece? That would straighten them up real quick. But they won't do that. That's the obvious. Meanwhile, they got someone like Food food Fighters who basically, during the pandemic, Food Fighters, that band, Food Fighters, or, or no, it was Five for Fighting. Five for Fighting, I'm sorry. Foo Fighters, though, same thing. Same libtards over at Foo Fighters as you are over at Five for Fighting. But those two bands, well, one of them, I think it was Five for Fighting, was playing in a war zone in Ukraine. Like, oh, look, we're like you 2 from the 80s. We're like Bono. You know, we're standing for democracy. We're fighting for freedom. Meanwhile, they don't want to talk about the laundry list of tyrannical totalitarianism that's coming out of the office of Zelensky or the billions of dollars he has offshore. Uh, 
he could do a lot to help his own people by just taking the billions of dollars that the oligarchs have given him and put it into put it into his own country. But no, they want to have their hand out. Zelensky's a tyrant. And and shame on the Democrats for using Zelensky as a tool to impeach President Trump. And then, you know, right now you got Steve Bannon. Tulsi Gabbard made a really great uh, point with regard to Steve Bannon and um, and talked about talked about um, all of those, uh, you know, say what you want about Steve Bannon, she said, because, you know, and here's the thing. I love what she has to say. And I I think it's kind of important because she's a Democrat, but I'll never forgive forgive her for turning a blind eye to due, due process and going along party lines with Nancy Pelosi and, and voting to impeach President Trump. So don't ever forget that. You know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to say she's a wolf in sheep's clothing. She puts it, she wears it on her sleeve. She's not really disguising anything. I think she's saying what she believes. I think she's more conservative than Democrat. She's certainly more conservative than Liz Cheney who's going to get a beat down in August 16th because she's 22 points behind her other Republican counterpart in the primaries. She's not going to get reelected unless they commit all kinds of fraud, and that's Cheney country out there, so who knows? Who knows? But you got President Biden. Uh, you got Biden. I don't even want to call him a president. You know, of course, he came down with COVID, right? Everybody who gets vaccinated comes down with COVID. Thrice vaccinated. Double boosted. But here he is saying, did you ever think you'd be paying this much for a gallon of gas at the pump? Have you ever thought? No, Joe. I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you got to say, are you listening to yourself? You're the you're the dude that created this. You're the guy that did it. And he's acting like he doesn't have a clue. Everything you're paying this much for a gallon of gas? In some parts of California, they're paying four dollars fifty cents a gallon. What a what a maroon! What a moron! Right? What a moron! And here we got Kamala Harris, second in command. So if Biden steps down, right? If Biden is relegated to dementia or dies of COVID, or somehow they get rid of him because they want Gavin Newsom to come in. You got this woman, Kamala. To put it in law, there may be litigation, but we will be in a much better position than um, than to not do that. And, you know, listen, women are getting pregnant every day in America, and this is a real issue, and we need to act with a sense of haste about what is at play, what is at stake, and codifying Roe will be an important um, moment in terms of putting back in place protections for for the folks who are at risk right now because of what the court did in Dobbs just weeks ago. Listen, women are getting pregnant every day in America. Did you hear that? I, I can't believe it. Listen, women are getting pregnant every day in America. You don't say. You don't say women are getting pregnant every day in America. Wow. I need to be told that by this moron. Women are getting pregnant every day in America. So this is a problem. We got we to gotta get rid of the babies. 
It's unbelievable. I think that one of the motivating factors, I think that in America, women are getting pregnant every day. And I think what they're not saying out loud, but what they're truly saying is I think they're saying, and if women get pregnant every day in America, we can't have a white minority country because they keep on having babies and building families. So we can't catch up. You know, and she says in another uh, piece that, um, she says in another piece that blacks are only 13% or 14%. I think it's this piece. Let's just take a listen. So these are issues that impact young people because as we all know, your, your right to vote and the action of voting unlocks all the other rights, including same-sex marriage, including whether we're going to stand up against a law that says don't say gay, basically restricting kindergarten through third grade teachers in Florida to be able to love openly and teach what they believe is important for people to understand. Okay, that wasn't the clip for the blacks, but what she was saying there is she's saying that she wants second, third, and fourth graders to be exposed to trans and cisgender and confusing, confusion and sexuality. Meanwhile, uh, monkeypox is going around, right? And they say one of the only ways you can spread monkeypox is through male-on-male sex. Yet the two people in America that got it were two children. Nobody's even bothering to ask, how did these children get it? They were exposed to gay men. And they got it. How did they get it? Come on. That's the bigger issue. But Kamala Harris is just such a total moron that even Newt Gingrich basically said she's the dumbest vice president our country has ever had. Well, first of all, if you want a strong reason to pray for the health of the President of the United States. You are reminded again today that that reason is the Vice President. Uh, she's not only totally incoherent, you know, he may or may not have cognitive decline problems at his age, but at her age, she's just dumb. I mean, let's, let's be clear. Kamala Harris may be the dumbest person ever elected Vice President in American history, and that's why people keep resigning. I mean, if you were her national security advisor and you were competent and you'd worked hard and you knew what you were doing and you watched her in Poland break up laughing when she's asked about Ukrainian refugees, you had to feel a sense of total humiliation. So I'm not surprised that that particular advisor resigned because it's very clear that Kamala Harris should never, ever be allowed to leave the country. Uh, She probably shouldn't be allowed to leave the Naval Observatory, which is the residence of the vice president. Uh, She is a constant danger to herself and to the rest of us. Wow. That's a bold statement, and it's a true statement. For her to say women are getting pregnant every day in America and somehow that's a problem is beyond me. But as I mentioned earlier, I mentioned that Lindsey Graham is also part and parcel of the problem. He is part of the problem. He's the one that commits those false flags to create policies. 
these burning of uh, burning of forests. I don't think the Democrats care at all about the environment. They fly around in their private jets. They are doing everything that they can. They'll say and do anything that they want or can. They will say and do anything to gain power and regulate and control. They make stuff up. Just listen to what Al Gore had to do when he compared climate change deniers with the Uvalde police officers that didn't go in despite the fact that the door was unlocked. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in (coughs) Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And law enforcement officials tell us that's not typical of what uh, law enforcement usually does. And confronted with this global emergency, what we're doing with our inaction and failing to walk through the door and stop the killing uh, is not typical of what we are capable of as human beings. You know, the climate deniers. So. What, what a liar. What a, what a total lie. Tucker Carlson said last week, we played it, and I, I've read this in so many other places. Um, we, we also played the founder of the Weather Channel and said climate change isn't even a thing. NASA came out. And by the way, I posted something about climate on Facebook, and I got banned right, uh, last week. Um, they don't want you to tell the truth about this. They want to censor it. And that's the, that's the issue. Is Even NASA said they were sitting on 60-year-old data that said this stuff was cyclical. Um, uh, Biscar- Bastardi, J- Big Joe Bastardi, uh, the weatherman, he's made a life... Uh, he's made a lifelong commitment to these cyclical patterns. Nobody knows more about this stuff than he does. And um, and also the founder of the Weather Channel, right? And all these people, they can't, they, these are very credentialed people. We played a clip from Ted Cruz in the Sierra Club last week. Uh, where we talked about the 20-year pause and how that was at odds with what the 97% of the scientists came up with with regard to climate. So they're sitting around talking about like, oh, well, COVID, you know, we're going to well, we get ready for the next pandemic. What? We haven't had a pandemic in 100 years. We're supposed to be evolved as people. And all of a sudden, we can't even breathe without a mask. This is what globalism is about. This is how great globalism is, that we can't breathe without a mask. We can't go out without your authority saying we can. Are you kidding me? We're not allowed to move around. We're not even allowed to farm on our own land because we can't get fertilizer. We can't have a forest to go and have a picnic. And our land is being gobbled up by a bunch of globalists. And every time you hear these people speak, they say the word globe. As if that has anything to do with the United States. It does, but it doesn't. That's what was so great about Donald Trump. We got involved with bilateral and unilateral deals, basically, uh, where they weren't complicated. Sort of like these omnibus bills 
a lot of uh, Congress, congressional people on the right say, I would just like to get back to single bills, bills with one single purpose. But they pork it up and they pile it on and they put on extensions and riders and pork and in order to pass the, a, a bill. Uh, if someone's going to say yes, they're going to get a perk and something back for their state. That, to me, is not proper representation, especially with the debt that kind of debt that we have. No, I think that what we have to do is get to a consensus where when there's, a, when there's an, an issue or agenda, take it to a vote, keep the bill simple, keep it one issue. Nothing else could be in the bill but just the one issue. It's got to be related to that. But they won't do it. And you get nonsense like that. But I bring up Lindsey Graham because Matt Gates. I brought up Lindsey Graham about Syria and, and some other things because just to remind you that Lindsey Graham will say and do anything if it meets his cause, just like Al Gore will say and do anything to meet his cause. And Joe Biden has proven himself to sign anything to make his cause. He's going to sign off on a climate emergency. So he can ram through new funding, stimulus to cities that are going to cause even more inflation and bail out his cronies and give government jobs and government contracts to his cronies that work on getting out the vote and donating to the Democrat parties. And they're using conservative dollars to do it. That's the unfair part. But Lindsey Graham is no better than Joe Biden. And, you know, they've been friends for a long, long time. And that's the point that Matt Gates is making in this statement out at Turning Point over the weekend. Let's take a listen. And so... I loved it. Let me speak to you directly, <laughs> Hunter. I asked the FBI where your laptop was, and it seems they've misplaced it. How weird. But it just turns out that I have a copy right here. I entered it in the congressional record. We have your texts, we have your emails, we have the payments from Burisma, we have your travel records, we even know the Chinese communists who own you. You and the big guy have never lived one day under real Republican oversight. So these... These aren't going to be the days of Lindsey Graham breathlessly promising us every night that he's about to bring Hunter Biden in any moment. I got Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert with me now, and I have a lot of backup coming in 2024. We will expose the corruption of this administration just like we exposed the origins of the Wuhan virus, the Fed surrection on January 6th, and the stolen 2020 election. Boom. I loved what he said about Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham and Joe Biden have been licking the boot of Joe Biden for several decades. He and John McCain were doing it. They were just lap dogs to what was then the vice president for eight years and they were getting all kinds of fancy perks working with Hunter. 
They were working with Hunter. That's the thing. So President Trump also spoke over the weekend. We're going to play that clip. But we also have... Um, we have this uh, this Tulsi Gabbard clip about Steve Bannon. All right, let's take a listen. No matter what you think or feel about Steve Bannon, the fact that he has been found guilty of contempt of Congress, yet others have faced no consequences at all, people like James Clapper, for example, sat before the U.S. Senate under oath and lied directly about an NSA program that was conducting mass collection on millions of Americans... Or John Brennan, for example, as CIA director, he spied on Senate staffers, lied about it, and also broke into Senate computers to read emails from whistleblowers to members of Congress. Now, both Clapper and Brennan kept their jobs and to this day still have faced no consequences at all. What to speak of being charged and prosecuted and found guilty of the crimes that they committed. Now, this is just the latest example, unfortunately, of how our Department of Justice has become a political weapon being used by those in power to go after their political enemies. No matter what. We're living in a very tough world when we can't even, you know, I was saying to a friend over the weekend, I was saying, you know, one of the things that would protect us against a Cloward and Piven or a Solinsky style takeover of our government from the inside out, like what Obama was trying to do for eight years. And ruin us economically, which is what Biden is doing on purpose, and and ruin us demographically uh, with uh, so-called multiculturalism. But, you know, who's to say how many monkeypox cases are coming through this open border, the southern border? Mayorkas over the weekend said the border is secure and they need to make it more secure, but he won't. He's just saying these words, but he's lying through his teeth. And he looks down every time he says it. You could see the telltale signs. The guy should never play poker. But the thing is, we're living in a very, very tough time where we're under attack by our own government. Our military is woke. Our media is lying to us. And one of the things that could save us is our Constitution, which they want to destroy by packing the court. They want, it, they want to get enough liberal judges to where they turned a blind eye to the Constitution and your constitutional rights. They politicize things so that what's good for a hunter is not good for Steve Bannon with, with regard to the FARA, the foreign, um, foreign uh, trade, foreign agent uh, regulation. And uh, what that is, you know, there have been so many people that have had their doors busted down and treated mistreated by the FBI. So the FBI, the Department of Justice, and even our courts are not doing the right thing. And the courts are our last bastion, our last protector. And the Democrats, they know it. They know it. Is it any, any coincidence... Is it any coincidence that the things that are seemingly under attack right now with George Soros money in our district attorneys, our woke justice system with Merrick Garland at the top, 
And our FBI director, Christopher Wray, basically breaking down the doors of Republicans and letting people like Hunter Biden walk the streets in Malibu. You have to ask the question, is that by coincidence? No, of course we know it's not. But then, even when you get to the point of it going to the higher courts, somehow we see these judges, these woke judges, and we've seen a lot of them when they're answering questions. They're asked and answered questions uh, by committee in the committee for their confirmation, and we see how they want to side skirt and avoid answering any questions. And every time you see the Republicans, they answer the questions and they give legitimate answers. But the Democrats, they know they're hiding stuff. They know they're hiding things with regard to your civil liberties and your civil rights. They know you're hiding these things. You know, even um, uh, Lee Jackson, a uh, congresswoman from Texas, is uh, pushing this new... Uh, investigation on slavery. She wants to study slavery and figure out how much reparations uh, people should get as a result of that, black people should get. It's insane. It's ridiculous. It's nothing but divisive. And you look at the difference between, say, black conservatives and black liberals, and I'm telling you, there's a distinct difference. Uh, And the, the black liberals look at themselves as victims they look at themselves as a, with their hand out and wanting reparations. They're the ones that walk around with their pants down below their butts, the gangbangers, and the street thugs. They're liberal. And then you get the black conservatives and their personal responsibility, better educated, and a whole lot of other things. And, you know, when it comes to gun rights and when it comes to these types of behaviors, you got to look at the liberals and their whole agenda of blaming the wrong entity. You know, they're blaming white people and calling them racist. They're blaming cops for profiling when, in fact, it's personal responsibility. And they're blaming the gun for the same exact flawed concept. As if the gun can pull its own trigger, they're not blaming the person. And so there is a clip that I want to share with you that is uh, really quite interesting. This guy talks really, really fast. But um, take a listen to this. This is about fatherless homes and personal responsibility. 90% of American inmates are men, 75% of which grew up without a father. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes, which means you are five times more likely to kill yourself if you are growing up without a dad. 90% of all homeless runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who grow up with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. We are 20 times more likely to have a behavioral disorder if we grew up without a father figure. 80% of all Rapists come from fatherless homes. We are 14 times more likely to rape somebody if we grew up without a dad. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. We are nine times more likely to drop out of school if we don't have a father figure at home. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. It will not go well with us if we do not have good male role models and healthy father figures. That's so true. I had a great father. I have a great father. Still have him. And, um, but, you know, the thing is, 
is that that is where the root of the cause and the problem is. And it's a vicious cycle. And, you know, one of my favorite uh, intellects, um, I probably, you you may not be aware of this woman, but uh, I had her on my show about six or seven years ago. Her name is Amy Wax. She's a Penn professor, and she happens to be lean, a little bit conservative. Being a Penn professor, that's odd. They tried to get rid of her and all kinds of stuff. But she uh, has been on this issue quite a bit. But she is uh, she is well known in the, inte- the circles of intellectuality and things like that. But um, you know, even Betsy DeVos, DeVos's new book, uh, they talk. She talks about Amy Wax as being targeted. Um, but I had her on my show, and I'll tell you the truth: the only time I was ever nervous uh, in an interview, giving an interview was when I had Amy Wax on because I had so much respect for her. Um, But uh, if you ever want to see some really great wisdom on YouTube or anywhere, uh, search for Amy Wax and you'll be enlightened. All right, so we are... uh, I wanted you to hear uh, also some contemporary news. And then we have some stuff that touches upon globalism, but... um, Uh, There's a lot for us to get to in such a short amount of time. I wanted you to hear this Janet Yellen clip before we, it's too late. So let's take a listen to this. This is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. A common definition of recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth. Okay, so here's what she says. This is the short clip. There was a longer clip that I couldn't get access to. And one was too long, but uh, let's take a listen to this short clip. GDP will be closely watched. Um, A a common definition of recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth, or at least that's something that's been true in past recessions. When we've seen that, Mm -hmm. there has usually been a recession. And many economists uh, expect second quarter GDP to be negative. First quarter GDP was negative. All right, so so she explains what GDP, what a recession would be, two negative GDPs. Well, then she follows it up, and she says, that's not the technical definition, though. We have a very strong labor market. When you are creating almost 400,000 jobs a month, that is not a recession. Well, it is when you're coming out of COVID, and those jobs are basically people getting back to work and participating in the labor market, labor participation rate, which is still lower than pre-pandemic. So Joe Biden still has crushed this economy, not to mention the fact that the jobs are not paying as, at the rate of inflation. So people are making less, they're getting paid less, they're paying and they're having to pay more. Don't forget One of the biggest numbers that came out last week was that mortgage rates have increased by 39%. 39%. So you add mortgage rates increasing. And by the way, the Fed's about to raise the rate either 75 percentage points of a point or one whole point. That's going to throw the... That's going to jack up. If you have an adjustable rate or if you have... Uh, mortgage rates that you know uh, that are going to go up, it's going to go up beyond 39%. You're going to see foreclosures across the market. 
uh, the housing market. You're going to see the housing market slow down as a result of it. And guess what's going to happen? People are going to start renting. Guess what that's going to do? That's going to raise the cost of rent up. So we haven't seen the worst of it yet. And the only reason why gas prices are going down is not because of anything Joe Biden's doing. The gas prices are going down because people are broke. They can't afford the gas and they're spending less. So that's what that's about. And that's the sad news. So I was just looking to see. Um, I'm going to go into this. I want I wanted you to hear this particular interview here with um, uh, Maria Bartiroma, Sunday Morning Futures with Ro Khanna. Let's take a listen. So I know that there was a vote which you voted on the House motion to not sell oil from the U.S. Strategic Reserves. What happened? Well, I don't think we should be selling uh, oil to uh, foreign countries right now. I have called for a ban on exports. That's a procedural vote. Democrats always vote against the motion to recommit. But in terms of policy, I have been very clear that we should not be exporting our oil at this point other than to European allies. So why why did that sale take place then to uh, foreign countries in addition to China, our adversary? How did that happen? No, it's wrong. I mean, I have uh, Senator Jack Reed and I early on said that we shouldn't be exporting our oil or gas. Uh, I, I, I don't think that that was the right decision. And we're still calling on the president uh, not to export it. In fact, one of the reasons to declare a climate emergency is it would actually give him the power to restrict the export of crude oil. That's one of the things that comes with it. But, Maria, the more important thing is how can we make things in America again and outcompete China? And that's been my focus in Congress. Yeah, and I want to talk about that focus. The CHIPS Act is something that is very important, I think, for the country to understand. Producing very important items uh, in America is critical. But you just mentioned this climate emergency, Congressman, and I've got to push back on the word emergency for climate. I think most Americans right now are feeling the emergency in their wallet. We look at the cost of items on everything from food to gasoline to the price of an airline ticket, and everything is up in the double digits. And it is partly because of the massive spending of this administration and the Democrats continuing to try to push through more spending, included high ta- um, uh, higher taxes on top of higher borrowing costs and a 40-year high in inflation. What do you have to say about the failure of this agenda? Well, I agree that there's inflation. I agree that prices are up, but there are two reasons for that. First, the Fed had quantitative easing for way too long, and that was one of the main primary uh, culprits of this. They didn't anticipate the inflation. The monetary policy is largely determined by the Fed. And the second thing is we're not making enough things in America. I mean, look at the shipping costs. Look at the costs for importing all these goods. If we had an industrialization policy, if we made more things in America, we would lower costs. And I'd rather that we be making the solar panels, the electric vehicles, uh, the wind turbines in America than China. Why would we want China to have the lead in batteries and the new uh, energy of the 21st century? I want America to lead in that. Yeah, I want to take a break and then talk about the CHIPS Act. But with all due respect, Congressman, we know that the inflation rate was at 1.4 percent when Joe Biden walked into the White House. And we know that then he signed the COVID relief package into law at almost $2 trillion. And that was the beginning of the stoking of inflation. We can talk about that after the break. I'm talking with Roe.
into law last March 2021, and that was the beginning of inflation getting stoked. You are now encouraging Biden to declare a climate emergency, Congressman. What would this do? Is now the right time to spend more money and raise taxes on people? The average electric vehicle costs $63,000. The median household income is $67,500, Congressman. Just to be a factual on inflation, there was $3 trillion of spending under President Trump. And yes, there was spending under Joe Biden. But it, it's unfair to say that it's just the spending under Biden that somehow caused the inflation and not under Trump. They were both parties that were committed to helping people uh, that yeah. rescue them from COVID. And I, but Congressman, I'm, just, I'm just, looking, just, just to be clear, Congressman, I'm looking specifically at the numbers. And when we look at the inflation timeline, which was the handover from President Trump to President Biden, this was in January of 2021, the consumer price index was at 1.4%. So when you say, but, you know, there was spending under Trump, yes, that's right. But when you look at actual inflation, inflation was at 1.4%. Then it was in, it was 2.6% in March of 2021. Then the president signed in the COVID relief law. By the time we got to July of 2021, inflation was at five and a half percent. Then the Democrats uh, led the in infrastructure package that was signed into law November 21 and inflation was up to 6.8 percent. By March of 2022, right after the invasion by Russia, inflation was at 7.9 percent. And today we are at 8.6 percent from the last meeting uh, uh, above 9 percent rather for the last reading in June, 9.1 percent is the last reading. So we're up to 9.1%, Congressman, with all of this spending. But Maria, you know correlation and causation are different. I mean, you can't say that Trump sending stimulus checks in December of 2020 was not inflationary and somehow Biden doing it in March was inflationary. What happened is we got out of COVID because of vaccines developed by President Trump and President Biden distributing him, and that increased demand and the supply was constrained and the Fed policy was wrong. But I agree with you that inflation is a major problem. The way to address it is to have more industrialization in America to build more things in America, not to be relying overseas. And the climate emergency, look, if there were ever a time to go to the American people and say, we don't want petrostates like Russia to have power. We don't want our president to have to go to beg to Saudi Arabia for oil. We don't want to be going dependent on Iran or Venezuela. The way to do that is to have a moonshot on renewable energy and to make that stuff in America, not China. That's what a climate emergency would do. It would say, because of this war, let's have a long-term energy independence strategy and make yeah. the solar, the wind, the batteries here. Oh, I think it is an emergency, but it's an emergency because we have completely iced out investing in fossil fuels. I mean, that's really where the emergency is. You go to any uh, investment portfolio manager today and they're being told you better get on board with ESG or you're going to have major problems. You're not going to be investing in fossil fuels. So if you're talking about an emergency, why not reinstate the XL pipeline? Why not allow drilling on federal land right now, Congressman? Wouldn't that get gasoline prices lower? rather than going hat in well, hand to Saudi Arabia.
Well, we'll get gasoline prices lower is stop exporting the oil while these oil companies are making billions of dollars. I mean, it's not like they're not making huge record profits, 30, 40 billion dollars of profits while Americans are getting fleeced at the pump and they're selling their oil overseas it's to make that profit. It's not the oil company's we... fault, sir. It's, it, the, 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 you're gonna, the, this is capitalism. You're going to see companies make money for selling a product. That's, that, that is democracy and capitalism. But the fact but is, not, is there is shouldn't. a massive pushback against oil companies. The oil industry, how many companies have gone bankrupt? How many times have we seen investors want to invest in oil but told not to? And in fact, we're allowing investors to invest in Chinese stocks that don't even follow auditing rules and uh, they're tied to the Chinese Communist Party. So oil companies are bad, but investing in communist China is good? I'm not for investing in communist China. I'm just saying that the oil companies are doing just fine. And you know that, Maria. Exxon, Chevron, they've got record profits. I'm not I don't talking have a about the oil companies. Just to be clear, I'm not talking about the oil companies and I'm not talking about President Trump. I'm talking about President Biden and the climate change agenda, which has, in fact, killed many in the oil industry. And as a result, we are seeing a freeze out of investing in fossil fuels. You have a very important idea about investing in this country and producing in this country with the CHIPS Act. But there are also pushback, uh, Congressman, there as well, where people are saying there's too much focus just on chips and we need the money spread out. Tell me about the CHIPS Act and whether or not you're going to be able to get this to the finish line, because I agree with you. There is way too many critical items that American families need that are made in China right now. Why can't we fix this problem? Well, there's a lot of reasons why we can't fix it. But in any case, uh, I thought that Maria Bartiroma made some really great points, uh, mainly that people uh, who invest in the oil market uh, are not going to do so because it's too volatile, just like what Elon Musk did with Twitter at a time when Truth Social and Getter and Gab and Parler needed major investments in their market, in, in their product, right? So if you're an investor and you want to invest millions, um, it presented a bit of a problem because it was too volatile at that point because you're always wanting that return on investment. And it doesn't matter if you have a better mousetrap. It matters if your mousetrap is going to win the market. And so when Elon Musk created that ruse, and toyed around with the idea of investing in Twitter, he slowed the investors over at the competitors, the conservative competitors' platforms. And during an election year, slowing that down to the tune of three months made, makes a huge impact on the ability to get your messaging out. And I, I believe that's what was going on. I think that I think that, uh, and I call, you know, I was one of the ones that called that in April, April 21st. You look at that show on our podcast over at scottadamshow.com and you'll see that's exactly what I was saying then and it's exactly what I'm saying now. All right, there's something weird going on with regard to fires. Um, we're going to play a, just a partial clip of this, um, but this is uh, very, very strange Something strange going on, going on around the globe with fires. In France, officials say the country is experiencing an apocalypse of heat. A fire in France destroying nearly 80 square miles of forest and temperatures are expected to rise in the coming days. For a seventh 
blistering day, the fires in southwest France continue to rage, forcing the evacuation of thousands of people living and visiting this popular tourist region. We're living through an exceptional season of harshness, said President Emmanuel Macron. Over wildfires that have burned an area bigger than 20,000 football fields. 14,000 people have been evacuated so far. As triple-digit temperatures are being felt around the world, more than one-third of the U.S. is under... The U.S. is the latest country to swelter with high temperatures. Wildfires, you'll remember, are still raging in Europe in countries like Spain, Italy and Greece. Well, Europe is also experiencing the fierce heat wave with extreme temperatures and wildfires burning in countries across the continent. Spain is now battling its largest fire in recorded history and nearly 30 others across the country. Heat blamed for more than 1,900 deaths. In Europe, nearly 2,000 people have died because of the hot weather. Firefighters in Greece struggled to contain new fires around the capital of Athens. Wildfires are raging in Spain after days of intense heat. While in neighboring Portugal, more than 200 new fires were reported Friday and Saturday, with one person dying from heat every 40 minutes. 659 people in the last seven days. First drought in 70 years, and it's revealed ancient Roman ruins dating back nearly 2,000 years. But it's even worse in Italy's north, now in a state of emergency. UK officials issuing the first ever red warning. The extreme heat we're forecasting right now is absolutely unprecedented. But the UK isn't used to these sorts of seams, nor this kind of heat. Residents are bracing for what could be Britain's hottest day ever recorded. With people flocking to the ocean after the government declared a national emergency. And temperatures. Today we learned that at one point, London Fire Brigade only had three fire engines left to deploy for the whole of the capital. Well, we're being warned that climate change means these sorts of extreme temperatures will happen more regularly. Periods of intensity do occur within natural weather patterns, but scientists say they're becoming more frequent, more intense, and are lasting longer. Scientists I don't know whether something's say. to meteorologists to make you all a little bit fatalistic and, and <laughs> harbingers of doom. Haven't we always had hot weather? John, I mean, wasn't the 76, the summer of 76, that was as hot as this, wasn't it? Uh, no. One of the biggest scams that exists uh, on... Uh, no, <laughs> it was. It's uh, And we're talking about like uh, an average weather pattern of a couple of degrees, you know, um, if that. And it's cyclical. It's not so much caused by cow flatulence. Um, and so, and, and the solutions that they're putting out there aren't going to solve a doggone thing. So these are... This is another hoax that they're doing here. And I believe that these fires are being set on purpose. That's my thoughts on that. Uh, but we'll, we'll actually expand that uh, on the shows to come. Well, be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapack.org to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. And use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.